Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Matt Bennett, founder of Dreams Aren't This Good, Salsa and Chips. And man, this is a fun episode. We're chatting all about how Matt first got into salsa, how he's had several different business ventures along the way, leading him to his current role at Dreams Aren't This Good. We talk about the fantastic pairing with music that the company has, as well as several partnerships for giving back to local charities, nonprofits, and other organizations that are helping people out across the country and across the world. And if you have any any kind of enjoyment of music at all, which I would hope is most people. I remember I met someone one time, we started talking about music, and they said, yeah, I don't really like music. And I believe I, I fainted and passed out and woke up six hours later and couldn't believe it still, even after all of that, because how do you not like music? Like, you don't have to like all music, but just music in general still blows my mind to this day. If you'd like to support Good People Cool Things, check out the merch shop, goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. All kinds of fun goodies there. You can also get in touch with the show, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GPCT Podcast. Always love hearing from you. And for now, we're going to hear from Matt and Dreams Aren't This Good. If people don't know who Matt Bennett is, uh, what Dreams Are This Good are all about, Give us your elevator pitch, but also tell us the elevator we're riding on while you're sharing about yourself. Oh man, that's a that's a good it's a good general question, right? Like it's very open. Um, you know, I kind of share with people that <laughs> you know per se, like I, I'm kind of half manifester, half half doer. Uh, um, I, I truly believe I I'm a visionary. I'm a dreamer. Um, but you have to put those actions into play, um, or else they're just like these ideas that float around, which we have tons of them. Um, but I think that's kind of at my core, you know, who, who I really am is, you know, I, I, I tend to think I have a, a, a massive heart, um, tons of passion, almost too much to the point where, <laughs> you know, I, I need to step back and check myself sometimes and, and really, you know, and this isn't really an elevator pitch, but I, I think that's who I am and who I love being is the person that believes that it can be done, the person that sits and nonstop thinks about something until it becomes reality. Um, generally, I have no idea how I'm actually going to do anything. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, an Excel whiz. I'm not... Uh, you know, a, a finance person, I'm, you know, I, I don't think I'm like an expert at anything. Um, so I just really just put the pieces together. And that's really who I am and what I love doing and who I love being. Um, and, and I and I'm fortunate to have found a vehicle to do that a greater vehicle than any pre any previous thing that have led to this, right? Um, obviously life adds up and, 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 you know, all these, all these things I've done, previous ventures, previous jobs. Um, I say ventures because I was actually part of those founding teams or, um, 
kind of very much in the entrepreneurial lane versus, you know, a job and actually working for a much larger company, um, learning more so, right? Um, and I think now having a company, so my, my company is called Dreams Aren't This Good. Um, I generally say that, you know, dreams are the best thing in the world, but they're not as good as our salsa. Um, just kind of, you know, that could be the elevator pitch right there. You know, I, I think I've just found this vehicle in a company that we're two years in as far as selling chips and salsa as a product. Um, and that's really our vehicle. Um, that's the tangible thing. That's what you can obviously consume, uh, literally eat, <laughs> eat it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's a piece to the much bigger picture of what I envision for our company. Um, and, and ideally myself too, you know, how can I be that driving person behind this bigger idea? Um, because it's not Matt's salsa company, right? And, and I never wanted it to be. Um, and, and I've come up with this bigger emotional play, basically, um, within a company. And, and that's what we're building and, and continuing to kind of elevator pitch to, to you is really how can we turn a chips and salsa company into a lifestyle brand, um, i.e. Red Bull marketing, i.e. Ben and Jerry's on flavors and philanthropy, um, companies of the sort. But how can we do that in a space where it's never been done? So lo long answer to the pitch. Um, but I think those are the two contexts in which I really reside. Absolutely. And we'll get we'll get into some of that kind of emotional connection, because I think that is something that's super interesting and something that I've never really seen in, in this kind of space. Uh, you mentioned Red Bull, which I think is certainly one of the sort of like benchmarks for um, for kind of connecting with people like that. But first, how did you get into making salsa? Like were you I mean, you you've got Texas roots. So you've was that just something ingrained in your uh, in your blood since you were a kid? Yeah, well, maybe so. You know, I, I don't I mean, right. Like, I don't know that that answer to that, but I I do believe that in a way, for sure. Um, I kind of we have on our website and I've kind of written like our story. Right. Um, and I do think that being born and raised in Texas, especially South Texas, very the state itself. But uh, of course, the South part of Texas, very um, Mexican culture. Right. Um, and I didn't really have any of that directly in my life. Um, unfortunately, I haven't even learned Spanish. I wish I wish I did. Um, but I think it's not too late, not too late. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Um, I think growing up in Southeast Texas, um, had a piece to, to play. Um, and then I think, and kind of part of our story is, um, or actually the beginning of the story is, so I went to LSU in Baton Rouge. Um, my, my whole family's from the South. My mom's side is from Louisiana, dad from Mississippi and, um, so just having those roots, watching LSU football, going to LSU basketball camps as a teenager. Um, I still think they should have won their, their second round game. This I, year. Know, I, I know. thought they had that over Michigan. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but so just kind of having those roots, you know, kind of Cajun French roots, um, you know, my whole life and, and then kind of mixing that uh with you know mexican culture essentially is kind of how things started at least on the campus of, of lsu and and that's where i started making salsa so 
Um, what our original is today is the first flavor that I had back then. Um, and, it, and it's, and obviously I was making it fresh and I was still making it fresh up until three years ago when I, when I, when I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this for real. <laughs> so, um, so it's been quite the journey to go from where it started as inception to actual reality. And so I started making it at LSU. I was like, man, I was like, I have something here, you know, in my head. I think that's initially what planted the seed. Um, I had a marketing class as like a junior, senior. Um, and, you know, in typical fashion, at least back then in college, you know, I don't know how it is today by any means, um, where they were like, okay, create a business. And I'm like, all right, I have three people on my team. Nobody has an idea. And I'm like, oh, well, I make salsa. And they're like, cool, that's our business. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Um, and, and it has evolved. And so I think that really was the starting point of this could be something someday. I, I know that the fresh salsa, this version original um, is great. It's different, but it was, you know, a, a 21 year old kid with just making salsa. Like, all right, cool. I give it to people, parties, whatever. So um, so that really sparked, I think those two things and kind of taking where taking really just massive parts of my childhood and life. Um, and that put something inside of me that said one day I'm going to do this. And I, and I had no idea what this was. Right. Um, and you know, fast forward 15, 16, 17 years, I don't know how long it's been. Um, it's been probably about, I started this, I started the company about three years ago. Um, took me about a, a year and a half to get it launched. Um, so I'm about three and a half years in full time to this journey, um, with dreams aren't this good. Um, so I'd say, yeah, about 15, 16 years of other ventures, other places, life travels, you know, whatever it might be led me and kind of pieced the puzzle together to give me, I guess, the confidence um, and or experience of like, okay, well, I know what it takes to build a company. Now I just have to figure out how to build this one. And I, I mean, I don't talk about like the beginning parts of this often. So it's awesome to even just think about it. Like it literally started 20 something years ago ingrained and, uh, and that seed became something and it's grown over time. Absolutely. And I do want to want to chat a little bit about the the business side of things. But first, I'm just curious, because I, I think this is always a fun question to ask uh, anyone that's does anything in kind of the food or drink industry is, have you ever tried making a flavor that just like didn't work? You were like, this is going to be great. And then you taste it. And you're like, Nope, terrible. Uh, yeah, well, I don't. Yes, and no. <laughs> so uh, I say yes, because I've actually made a ton of flavors, right? Um, the beginning of COVID, I mean, obviously I had a lot of work to do, um, but I went with, uh, I went with a, a few friends uh, down to uh, outside Charlotte, North Carolina from New York. And uh, fortunately, was able to get out of town literally right at the beginning when it was the worst, New York was the worst place in the country to be. Right. And um, I never really messed around with flavors too much prior to that time. Um, currently, to give you some context, and I know it's skipping around, currently we have six flavors that are out produced in, in the world. Um, 
I have three more that I'm sitting on that I've made that will become flavors in time. And so I basically was sitting on nine flavors total, just messing around through the early stages. Um, but during the beginning of COVID, <laughs> we, we were like, let's just make some flavor. Like we had not, I mean, kind of had nothing to do in North Carolina. And we literally made, I think, like 20 flavors or something. <laughs> like $500 grocery bill and just like buying every ingredient possible, um, just messing around with stuff. Uh, we literally made uh, wheel, like imagine like the Wheel of Fortune uh, wheel, you know, or, uh, or what's, the, what's the other, I don't know, there's another game show with the wheel. But Price is Right's got the Price is, price is Right, yeah. So Boom, we literally made two wheels and we put a primary flavor. We put like 12 or so primary flavors. Um, and then on the other wheel, we put all these secondary flavors or ingredients, I should say. So for example, jalapeno pineapple. Pineapple is the primary actually, but it comes second in how we name products. Um, so I'm very detailed on the primary secondary and the naming and the flow of how they come out but we made these wheels and then we would spin them and just let the like the flavors collab right and i don't know so we were getting create like i don't know i made a cherry coffee one um you know and i don't know i mean obviously i can't give you too many of them because they might become flavors but um that and then we made lemongrass and i forget but we use it was just i was like this is like it was like lemongrass and like lime and i'm like these two <laughs> like that's not even substantial enough to like make a thick salsa like a you know let alone they're just two like punch you in the mouth ingredients um so so yes and no because i don't know if and what those will become um but i've definitely 100 have made some weird flavors um and it's a great question because it that is a hundred percent part of what we're trying to do like i ba I, I basically like before we even launched the company i was like i was coming up with a strategy and we were like i was like everything on the shelf is mild medium hot for the most part and some companies have different flavors but i'm like you've been around for 40 years and you have 10 flavors. Now, maybe, maybe there's a reason to that. Um, but, but for us, I wanted to look at and say, we focus on flavor, not on heat levels, just giving you or listeners context, like none are really crazy spicy. Um, but I basically want a Ben and Jerry salsa. Like one day I want to have hundreds of flavors. We call them fantasy flavors. Um, and just like put crazy things together and let community drive um obviously you know different strategies behind that but let people create the flavors because i can't come up with everything nor do i want to um and some are gonna hit and some aren't and and that's that's kind of the beauty in creation right i think another fun thing that you do that again as a, a big music fan myself <laughs> always love seeing uh, seeing elements of music making its way into other parts of life but every jar is named after a song so can you kind of give us a look inside the pairing process for that? Do you have a song in mind as you're creating a flavor? Or is it kind of like an after the fact sort of thing you come up with? Yeah. Do you play music yourself? I do. Yeah. I play okay. guitar. Okay. Is that why you moved to, to Austin? 
It's not. No, I actually had never played outside of like school bands. I had never played in a band or even really with people. Okay, maybe like once or twice um, prior to moving here, and then have since joined a band since. Yeah, here. yeah, but. Of but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild how like how crazy the the music scene is. Yeah, out here. it's really nice. Where yeah. where are you from originally? I'm from Chicago originally. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. I think I played I I played with a guy once who wanted to start some uh, some sort of like '80s comic band yeah. like cover band type of thing. Yeah, and I was like, I've never played with people before. I'll do it. And he was auditioning a drummer and me at the same time. And the drummer was like super nice guy, but just couldn't really stay on rhythm very well and i was like that seems kind of important for a drummer right right kind of be the backbone of a song and the guy was you could just tell the guy that was auditioning him was just like how do i tell this guy nicely like you're not (laughs) you're not this is not gonna work (laughs) yeah like so i i hope he's he's uh taken i mean he was super young he was probably like 18 or 19 yeah yeah time and so hopefully hopefully he's bounced back and you're in a band now though Yes, oh, nice, yes. Nice. Called Burning Years. I'll give us a shameless plug. Yeah, I yeah. I haven't no. played in like over a year though. We've been we've been doing some writing, but yeah, I mean, what, COVID. Yeah, yeah but, but what do you do? You know, like yeah, yeah. Exactly. We do our uh, quarantine concerts that I know a lot of groups were doing at the start, but yeah, it's not yeah. nearly well, the same. Send, <laughs> send me uh, send me your music after this. Yeah, uh, yeah. For I, sure, for I sure. mean, I'm always. I mean, I know I'm like to- off the topic of question, but um, <laughs> but no, it's interesting, and, and I'm trying to learn like in the music space, like. I think there's a massive opportunity and kind of, you know, coming back to your question, um, you know, just there's so much music in the world and it's kind of what connects us. Right. Um, It's one thing that massively connects the world. And, and I think what I've found, like how it became part of our strategy um, and I'm always listening to, to music and different types, obviously, um, but I'm always trying to piece it together of like, can this song fit with a flavor? Right. And, and every song has a personality, every like a, right. So emotion behind it. And so it all comes together kind of organically, but the way I came up with it um, and I'll just dive in a bit here because it's all tied, it's tied to the donation piece as well. Um, So I basically, I wanted to give back. Um, I had to find a way, but our product isn't right. Like we make salsa, it's in a glass jar. And so while it's not crazy expensive, it's not water either. Right. So it's, it's kind of expensive to make, obviously as a small company where, you know, I'm not making millions of jars yet, you know, production. Um, so it's kind of small batch, if you will, um, in, in respects of just quantity based on our size. Right. Um, especially the beginning, like we hadn't even launched. And I was like, well, how am I going to do this? Um, we couldn't take the, you know, the Tom's or Warby Parker model. Like I can't do one for one. Um, that'd be like $20 jars of salsa. <laughs> so that's not going to work. Um, and so I basically, how we do things to give anyone listening and yourself is there's multiple steps. So I basically come up with a, a flavor, right? So for example, um, we'll just use jalapeno pineapple, um, or, um, well, we can go through them all if you want, but basically I take, I come up with a, a, a flavor and I think about that flavor. I think about the ingredients, um, the colors of those ingredients, how it makes me feel. Um, and the strategy initially started because I spent 
a year and a half to get the company off the ground. And I had to come up with some way to differentiate ourselves, right? Among all these bigger brands. Um, and in general, in the space, there's not really any great marketing um, in salsa, in my opinion, of course. Um, and I'm very like biased by around this. Um, it's kind of the bet I'm making. Um, there's also no loyalty. Like nobody cares about any salsa company on the shelf in any store, pretty much. Like at scale. Like I've had one person tell me their favorite salsa out of thousands of people. And I'm like, well, that's a problem. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're in Texas. Like we're both from like, you know, you're living there, I'm from there. And it's like, I'm not talking, I'm talking on the shelf in a store, right? Like, um, and so I really looked at that and I said, okay, well, I wanna give back one. I walking around doing research, you know, listening to these things, listening to music in New York. Obviously, it's everybody has headphones on. Um, just listening to music that I like, right? And, and like at different moments in life and time. And I started asking myself, and I was like, if I could take a song and take the kind of ethos of that song, match it with a flavor, the ingredients that kind of make that flavor, right? At the core. And then I could somehow take that and pair it with a philanthropy that embodies the spirit of that flavor. Then I think we can just kind of as a company and as a product, we can kind of be the, the connector, right? So, um, so how that looks to you today is, for example, um, we have a flavor called now or never, right? So we'll use that as an example. So we have a flavor called now or never. Um, it's a song by an artist called out of sight, um, who's from Westchester, New York, um, which is just like a little North of New York city, Manhattan. Um, so, but basically New York city. And so I said, all right, the artist is from New York, right? The flavor now or never is really about, you know, it's on you, right? Like you're either going to do it now or never. Um, you know, chase your dreams, go after it, whatever it is for you, right? How, how I interpret that song is just like that. Um, really gets me going, super inspirational. Um, the flavor itself is avocado pepper. So avocado isn't in a lot of salsas. Um, and it makes the, the product, the salsa really smooth, but you don't taste a lot of avocado, but the pepper is hitting you. So it's kind of a combo right there, like smooth and then obviously a little spicy. So now or never, it's like you got to choose. It's got to be one. Um, and and it's red. So it's a red bell pepper that makes the salsa actually red. The color's red. Um, it, we also put the colors as the train lines of New York City for now until I run out of, until I run out of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so and then with all that so basically i've combined everything and i put new york in a jar kind of right and then i look at it and um i partnered with ace which is an organization here in new york that uh helps basically helps homeless um so and, and i won't get too much too deep into it um but they really like they're paying for education of homeless people that really want to change their life um, they give them working opportunities, so they actually get paid um, to do work. So it's not just handouts, um, and and they flip a lot of people's lives around. And you step back; you're either going to do that now, or you're never going to do it. 
Um, and, and for every jar of now or never that gets sold, um, we donate five cents. So how I look at that is every time we sell a case, that's 30 cents going directly to that partner. And we have seven partners, six sauces and one tortilla chip flavors. Um, so everyone has their own partner, same kind of strategy. Um, and that's how we tie in music. So we have six flavors and everyone is named after a New York musician as of now. So until I run out of train lines, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to, and, or we start getting into other markets. Mm. Um, you know, if I come, if we launch in Austin, Texas, then, you know, maybe it's a new flavor with your, your band's name on it, you know? I so. love that. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that, but that you is could part sell of it at shows. That's perfect. Once shows are a thing again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's part of the strategy. You know, how do you infuse music into it? How do you infuse philanthropy to it? Um, how do little differences, donations make a massive impact at scale, right? When we're selling a million jars, the donations make greater impact. Um, as we grow as a company, we're going to be able to do a lot of different things based on the strategy of, and music is really what's infused to, to, to keep us going. If, if it, I guess that's how I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's such a cool concept and you've got yeah. how many, Thank I, I'm, I don't, I'm not <laughs> as familiar with the New York subway system as I am yeah. uh, with the Chicago L <laughs> sure, growing sure. up there, but how many, how many colors do you have left? How many train lines? Um, primarily there's nine. Well, I guess you could say 10. Um, yeah, I'll go with, we're at six now. We have, I think, I think I can get to 10. Um, and then after that, it's kind of like, you know, the Metro rail that goes over here, you know, I mean, obviously New York is a sub, you know, subway heaven. Um, so there's tons of smaller lines. Um, but I'd say there's 10 primary lines throughout the New York area. Um, and so I think once we get to 10, flavor and i don't know how long that'll take when they'll get put out um we launched with three in april of 19 november of 19 we put out two more so we have original we have the fighter which is garlic cilantro we have just dance which is jalapeno pineapple we have now or never which is avocado pepper and we have girls 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 which is blueberry coconut which is our weirdest one <laughs> um, and then just last month in March, we launched my type, um, and that's Chipotle mango. So we have six so far, we could do four more, you know, and then, uh, and then I think, um, and I, and I try, I do my best I, for, for the, to staying authentic. Um, I really try to find a partner that lines up, um, that tells the story. It's like, Oh, like, why is that logo on a label? Like, it doesn't make sense. So I do, yeah. I do the best we can to really have a nice partnership that makes sense, um, that can be marketed and that can be amplified, which is really our goal. Um, and then trying to find the, the song that also fits as much as possible. Um, and and hopefully, hopefully it's working. And, and that's part of the, I think that's part of the strategy that I appreciate being able to share because it's as a small company, it's very hard to get that message out there, right? It kind of takes just doing, <laughs> doing this, just talk, talking to people and then they tell someone. Um, and I hope that it's a, I hope it's a winning recipe, right? 
nobody's really doing it. And, and I think for us, the big piece is to build a roster of musicians that are um, very great partners within um, the DATG family. And then on the other side is to really have uh, lots of partners, right? Different causes, different communities, different reach, different impact um, and versus saying, okay, XYZ don't, foundation, here you go, right? Like that's not that exciting for me um, or us as a company. And so we really want to take those pieces and, and make a difference depending on where you are in life. I think too that that sort of mindset is a really really kind of good reminder with any business of like building that community and having a team of people working together, I think is so much more helpful and you're going to have a lot more success than if you're trying to do everything by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, it's been very challenging, right. The last year, um, you know, we don't have, and, and, and I'm, what I mean by that and, you know, obviously social and there's all, there are outlets. Um, but it has been challenging in the sense of like, and I ask myself, I'm thinking about this all the time is like, how can we get the partners more involved? Um, but they're doing their thing, right? Like that's their purpose. Um, and so we're, we're here to support and amplify that. Um, how can, you know, obviously the consumers, we, we call our community the cartel because, because I like, you know, DATG cartel is our handle on social, um, just to get it in there. And, but I was, when I came up with it, I was like, dude, I can't call it the, our community. Like that's what, that's what it is. Right. In some capacity, that's what everybody, that's what every great brand wants to build. Um, but I was like, we got to push boundaries. We have to do something different. Um, I was like, we're, we're, we're the cartel. Like, and for me, it's a cartel for good, right? Like yeah. we're, we're, we're do, just to be clear. Um, well, you know, we're, we're trying to do good. Um, we're, we're making great products, um, doing good things, but, um, but, but I hundred percent agree with you. And I think it's trying to find new ways to do that where we are in the world. Um, and additionally, like we're not, we as a company aren't like a brewery, right? Like we, you know, we don't have our, we're not sitting there with just barrels. Like we're small manufacturing. Um, so we're not able to build community through that type of footprint presence physically. Um, we're very much focused on uh, the consumer connection, but it's happening at the store level. Very, very much more, especially um, as we grow as a brand in the Northeast, especially um, the more accounts we get, the products getting out there, but how do you how do you bring those people back to actually add value to their life um, is is a great opportunity that we're focused on, but it's very challenging to do. I'm sure not made easier by a, a global pandemic. Yeah, in the, no, in the background. <laughs> no, like we can't hang out. Like I can't throw a party. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just. I mean, it wouldn't be the right thing to do, even though even though we want to. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, hopefully everywhere is getting better, right? Um, but that's why the partners and that's why the music is so important. And, and in a, in an ideal scenario world, um, those are the things that will be brought together through our product and through our brand in physical presence. Um, and then obviously bleeding over into, um, the digital space, right? So we're, we're getting there. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. One and, and and as a country too, we're getting there. We're making it exactly, one day, exactly one day at a time. Yeah. yeah. Now, from the business side of things, and this can either be with Dreams Aren't This Good or uh, any of the the previous jobs that you were you were kind of talking about. Has there been anything that surprised you about running a business? For me, understanding, and I'm I'm pretty philosophical in a way, or at least I've become so as I've gotten older. Like I really. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions. And, and I think those are the types of things that it's surprising how much early on, I should say, right, is like, so this is my fourth venture. Um, you know, many failures, some successes, right. Um, but I think all different industries, so a t shirt company to an oil company, to a social tech company, um, and to a food and beverage company. The surprising pieces are as you go, you know, in one, I become less surprised by things, right? Because you start to, like, I, I started learning. I'm like, there's always something, right? Like, <laughs> it takes longer than you want it to. It's more frustrating than you want it, you know? So there's always something. Um, but I think continually being surprised at the things I can, I personally, or as a team, depending on your team, right? Um, what can be done with focus and energy towards something like this is what we're doing. Um, and I think it's more rather than actually being surprised by something and getting caught so off guard. Um, in that way, I think it's more being surprised and turning that surprise into knowing and believing and trusting that if you take this energy, these people, these resources, whatever that is you have, and taking like almost surprise you could actually do something and then be like, well, now I know how to do this. What, what else can we do? Um, and for me, that's probably, that's at least what's showing up for me now is being able to almost surprise yourself in accomplishing something, knowing you could do it, but almost on the brink of like, I actually don't know if we can do this. Um, mainly because I don't know how it's going to be done, right? Like, I don't have 20 years of food background and be like, yeah, of course, I know this. And I know this. And I know this person. It's like, I'm actually surprised and or surprising other people of like, how the hell did you do that? when like I didn't even know that three days ago, right? So and can, just continuing to learn and the capacity of which you can do so, that it's really ultimately at the end of the day, I think, and it might be like a lame answer, I don't know, but I think it's just surprising yourself on what you actually can accomplish if that's your focus. Yeah. I think, no, I think yeah. that's fantastic. And yeah, I, I have felt the same way of like, and the other podcast I run, Parks and Rec, perfect example. The last time I was editing it, it took probably double the amount of time just thanks to both a combination of technology and just a few parts within the episode where I'm like, that didn't come out very well. Like I'll have right. to go back now and like cut and like resplice some stuff around. And so it's just planning for that, I think is is one element of it. And then seeing like what your team can do with things that you're like oh that like that's fantastic and then it opens up so many more doors so yeah i think that that's totally 
spot on. I love being, it's almost like now being surprised is actually something that's more rare than five years ago or 10 years ago, right? Just within your own journey. So like, if I get surprised, I'm like, whoa, like, that's crazy. Like, how did, <laughs> what, what just happened? Um, because the more you learn, the more you, the more you execute things, the more you're living it, like you actually know way more than you think, you know, at least that's what I found. When I start sharing, I'm like, I actually know this and this and this and this. So I'm not surprised by that. But when something shows up or you get like a clip of a, a, of a podcast and you're like, that's actually way better than what I planned for because what I planned for actually didn't work, right? <laughs> so by, <laughs> by it not working, you're surprised that you actually get a better result often, right? So that's, that's what I'm continuing to... To, to learn and to try to try to be open to I'm like, this is what we're doing. And then I'm like, yeah, that didn't, I just, it doesn't work most of the time. So, <laughs> so you just have to keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Still worth trying, still worth trying. And speaking of doing, I like to wrap up these episodes with a top three and you kind of gave me carte blanche on this. You said, whatever you want to chat about. So <laughs> yeah, this was sure. uh, inspired by the other day I was listening to a playlist and the song Sweetness by Jimmy World came on. Okay. Uh, a big jam from, I think, 2002 is when it, it originally dropped. And it came on and I just like immediately started singing along. Like it starts right with the vocals. There's no kind of like guitar or drum intro. It's just like we're going right into it. And it made me think, I hope this is as fun as I think it'll be of a top three of songs that you have to sing along to when they come on. Like you can't skip them. You're just like, I got to start singing. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's that's actually very tough for me because I don't know a lot of names of songs. Okay, um, you can give us a couple bars if that's easy. No, I'm singing. <laughs> you can recite them. You're you the musician, <laughs> not me. <laughs> um, well, now see, now you got me thinking about Jimmy Eat World. Just because, like you, you put it in my head. Um, I mean, this is just showing up for me. I don't know why. I kind of know why, actually. But um, so I'd say Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, right? I think Survivor is the band. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that comes on. You just gotta, yeah, like it sings. Um, what's the song? Man, I'm going like back, I'm going back in my history here. So, when I was a freshman in college at LSU, we used to go to a bar um, called Murphy's and it's no longer around. Like it was crazy. I mean, it was insane, um, <laughs> but they just, they just played the best music and uh, I could be wrong on the name of the song. I don't know who sings it, but basically it's the 99 red balloons. Oh yeah. Is yeah. That... I believe that's uh, Nina does the original, but then Goldfinger has a okay. cover of it. That is delightful. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And, I think yeah. that see, like if you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, I know who that, I know who that, <laughs> um, but 90, for some reason that song, I think you just have to sing it, but it like puts me in such a good mood. Yeah. It's a jam. Yeah. It's so good. But all the versions of that, that I've heard are, are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, again, these are just showing up out of nowhere. Like, re 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 my, my, Those are the best ones. Yeah, my you're brain like, is my brain. Forget about them, but you're like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I also think, I guess it would be, the title of the song is Hypnotize, right? By Biggie? Yeah. 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 So, so my, uh, yeah, my, my actual roommate 
here now is that he's one of my best friends. Um, I've known him since LSU. And uh, so he lived here. He's lived here for about six years in New York. And, uh, and so when I moved up here, uh, he was like, yeah, move up for like three months, you know, sleep on the couch. Do And I was with a different company. We were trying to come into New York. So it's a long answer. But um, but it's just showing up because where I am in life, I think. And it's a good question. But we used to we used to rock uh, Biggie and hypnotized in his in his uh, Thunderbird. Like so there was like Camaro and like T-top Thunderbird. And we used to drive around. <laughs> Man, this is crazy thinking about this. Um, and uh, it's like 1997. And uh, and that song like but when that song comes on, you just like you can't help but spit the lyrics. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> So I think those will be my my three for today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a question that would change like regularly. Oh yeah, hundred percent every day. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm also I'm also very. I'm not. I listen to a lot of different music, but I will get in modes of like I'll go like years where I listen to like the same similar music or even an album like on repeat almost, right? So, um, like shiny toy guns is my favorite band. And, uh, do you know who that is? I've heard the name. I don't know oh, if I could name you man. any songs. I'll See, go, I've got homework. I'm checking dude, it out. <laughs> shiny toy guns. Like when we drop, when we drop a flavor in LA, I'm hundred percent first song that I'm naming it after. Um, but shiny toy guns is like the, I, I say they're the biggest un, unknown band. Like they have a massive following but they're like under the radar. Um, and I don't know, they're just my favorite band. And so, but like, unless it comes on, I'm like, I don't know the words, um, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm bad about getting in modes. Like I'll listen to their album, like literally every day. Um, this is like years ago and I would listen to it. And uh, so, so it shifts like with everyone. Um, but I don't go back to a lot of old stuff. Um, I kind of, I kind of stay in a lane and I'll only go back to old, like even I'm, talking about it now um so i like going back to that those, those old hits um but somebody yeah. somebody like yourself kind of has to bring me to them <laughs> and then i'm like oh yeah like dude that song <laughs> makes me feel so good right so yeah, yeah mu music is a a big piece and you know hopefully hopefully one day we have hundreds of flavors with hundreds of artists and and uh that's what i'm trying to manifest yeah, and that'll be awesome. And I think yeah, your your answer with hypnotize, especially of like you have a specific memory associated with that. And I think that's what's so cool about music is there's there's <laughs> songs that come on and I'm like, oh, this brings me back to like yeah, like driving driving around in a car or like getting uh, and there, this is a real obscure one, but uh, the album Infest by Papa Roach. Okay. Was back at, back in my middle school and high school days. I'm like, let's get some angsty music on there. That's the one with Last Resort, cut my life into okay. pieces. You know, they're they're big hit. So, um, so I, yeah. So I got a story for you. Oh, oh, um, fantastic. Go for it. Yeah. So that time period, right? Like that that album obviously put them on the map. Um, and like massive tracks, right? And and the music, the music in that era was obviously way different, right? Than now, a lot of punk. Um, some 41s coming after that, etc. And <laughs> another um, one I have to sing when it comes on Fat Lip. Yeah, well, yeah. So such so a jam. <laughs> they're out. They're out there, right? All, like there's tons of mu music, but um, but yeah. So one of my friends, 
that I worked at with uh, our pre uh, the, the startup I was with previously um, is, and we didn't know this when he was on the team. Like we just found this guy, he was shooting some video for us. Um, and this is when we were in Austin. Um, we started a company in Austin and we're trying to grow to New York and that's what brought me to New York. Um, and so, uh, so he was like, yeah, one day he's like, yeah, so my, and I, and I, I don't know the lead singer's name of, uh, Papa Roach. Um, I should, but, but (laughs) so anyway, one day he's like, yeah, so my brother so-and-so and and we're like, what? (laughs) He's like, yeah, my brother is the lead singer of Papa Roach. <laughs> We're like, no big deal, <laughs> right? Like, just so, casual, yeah. Yeah, Kobe, I think, <laughs> is his name. Um, so anyhow, yeah. So you know, minimal interactions throughout that journey, um, but just on the Papa Roach front, and and they're still crushing it. Like, yeah, they're still dropping music. Yeah, they're wow, still, and yeah. and they have number one hits. Like, they're. Yeah, they're doing really, really well. I, I don't keep up or listen to a lot of their music, but that album, obviously, similar to you, probably is like a, a classic for you. Um, but yeah, so just one of my buddies is like, "Yeah, my brother's so and so." I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, so you never know. It's a small world, my friend. Yeah, that's super small. Also, much better than my story, which was just that the first time I played that CD, it's called Infest. It's got like bugs all over the cover. Yeah, yeah. A, like a giant, I don't know if it was a cricket or a cockroach or something, like came out from under the couch while I was listening in my parents' basement, my family home. I grew up there too. Yeah, Our yeah. family home, the basement. I'm just sitting there listening and then I just see this giant cockroach come out like 20 seconds into the first song. Dude. And I said, huh, this uh, the CD summons bugs. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's a sign. How long, how long have you been playing music? I've, I've, we've been a band since, uh, I believe, 2013. Okay. Uh, at our first show, kind of middle-ish of 2013. Uh, I first started playing guitar probably in like 2004 and then first started sticking with it in like 2009 or so. So okay. a dozen or so years. Uh, I, I, there's so many other guitar players I'll see. I'm like, it'd be nice to know how to do that. Like some of this like crazy technical stuff, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it's ever been my goal to be like the most technically proficient. I think I just like having fun yeah. playing and like, I can, I can read tabs. I can read music from playing in band. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> I try to just find songs that are, are fun. And then our band, we write our own songs and have, have a good time jumping around and, yeah. The other guitarist in our band is definitely a better guitar player than I am. So I'm like, you can take all the like crazy little riffs, riffs and, yeah, and yeah. whatnot. Sure. I'll, I'll keep our rhythm going. I'll sure. give you the occasional little octave playing. And I'm, I still think we need to get like a, a wild solo where he's standing up on top of uh, like maybe maybe the bass drum and he's like playing. There's like wind blowing in his hair, like really just over dramatize it a lot. Are they uh, and are you on Spotify or anything? We are. are you, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. so like as far as like I'm concerned, like you're legit, right? Like yes, yeah. Yes. So you're like yeah, we actually available where you can listen to music, right? Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> so you know, I'm just the avid listener, and I'm like, okay, where can I listen? And they're like, okay, well, you know, SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever, and I'm like, all right. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to hear what in general. What's the the genre of music? Uh, when we started, we were very pop punk. So your favorites, uh, Sub 41 probably would be uh, along those lines. And we've kind of veered like a little more just towards, I would say, just like general rock, um, but still still have a lot of fun and, and yeah. try to get you to bob your head a little bit. 
are, are places opening at all and like more so in austin or no uh somewhat somewhat some some places the uh the mask the governor said like you don't have to wear masks we're opening up 100 percent, and a lot of businesses in austin at least are like yeah we're gonna still require that and like keep things socially distant because you know we tried this once before and like we can wait a few more months yeah uh, yeah so it's been it's been interesting to see i i i kind of forgot about it the last time i went grocery shopping that i people could kind of choose to wear <laughs> masks right, and so i was right. seeing people just like casually walking around and i said oh yeah that's a that's a thing and let me uh, move out of this aisle real quick yeah yeah 100 percent um are venues opening a bit or i haven't heard too many actually a lot closed from last year yeah so, oh i'm sure uh, yeah and i know at least a couple are planning to reopen in in other capacities i don't know where they'll be i don't think anything is really fully happened from that yet but um i think a few places are starting to open up i know there's a I I guess it's a bar and restaurant since they serve food, but primarily a bar that just opened up um, pretty close to, we were talking before, in South Austin, yeah. um, pretty close to Moon Tower. It's called Armadillo Den, and I know they've they've got live music going, but that's a, I'm fairly certain that's an outdoor stage. Yeah, uh, popped over that's, there, but, I, I was going to say, I was like, yeah. at least the time of year is good for it. So, yeah. I mean, like you can live outside most of the year in Austin anyways, yeah. <laughs> per se. Um, so hopefully that'll help, you know, just so many outdoor venues and it's hot and like it just hopefully it'll make it easier. Um, and there's lots of space there. <laughs> no, and there's not there's not a lot of space here in New York. So <laughs> yeah, you're a lot of a lot of crammed basements. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's they're trying to here. I, I don't know. I'm still apprehensive. Um, you know, it's getting better, but they're trying and we have indoor dining, I think maybe like 50 percent maybe um but they're trying to push venues and i'm like i'm, I'm good <laughs> like yeah. i'm gonna wait a pretty long while before i go cram myself with you know a lot of other people yeah. um so we'll yeah, see I miss playing but, shows but yeah i, I know yeah i know <laughs> I, will, I will wait i know i'm like what am i supposed to do like my first year living here i went to more live show and i living in austin i never it's kind of like when you live there you're like okay i don't know i'm gonna go see this you don't just you don't do it right um but my first year living here i went to more shows than i'd been to in my whole life like com combined and you know and obviously that every year and i'm in year five now of living here and obviously the last year and a half has been zero <laughs> i'm like dude what am i supposed to do like yeah. i either work and build the company or i go to shows and that's kind of my thing but um man so, yeah, cool. I just got a, a cancellation uh, option for a show I had I had bought tickets for maybe at the end of 2019 for like May 2020. And then this week they were like, hey, do you want to like exchange this for like venue credit or just get refunded? I was like, I'm gonna just get refunded because I don't know. I will forget about this otherwise. Exactly. To, like, use this Dude, I have tickets to two shows, same situation that I bought for 2020. And I haven't heard from the, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm like, are they going to come play or not? You know, um, I'm like, I'm hopeful because, but I, I think I'd take the money right now. Just like you, it's like, give me my $200 back, you know, Matt, for people that want to learn more about dreams, aren't this good, see all the flavors buy hopefully several cans. Cause it's, it's very good. Hopefully. Where can yeah. they find you? Um, so dreams aren't this good 
literally spelt out, obviously no apostrophe. Um, so dreamsaren'tthisgood.com is our website. Um, on social, primarily on Instagram is at D-A-T-G cartel. Um, obviously stands for dreams aren't this good cartel. So D-A-T-G cartel. Um, we sell, we sell on our website. We sell on Amazon as well. Um, we sell, um, we're in a couple stores in the Houston area, just for any Texas people. Um, we haven't really landed in, uh, in the central Texas area yet. Um, but we sell in a couple stores, uh, local foods, some other smaller stores in the Houston area. Um, and then the rest of our stores are primarily in the Northeast and mid Atlantic. Um, for now, for now, but yeah, dreams aren't this good.com and, uh, Instagram and then Amazon, if that's easier for you. Well, Matt, thank you so much. This was awesome. Lots of good chatting, and yeah, I've got thank I've you. got music homework. Now. Thank you, yeah, man. Shiny, <laughs> shiny toy guns is getting a plug, um, and then uh, out of sight, obviously for our now or never using as example. So yeah, and we'll wrap up with a corny joke as we always do. Did you hear about the guy who lost his whole left side? I didn't. He's all right now. <laughs> Get after it today, people. All right. <laughs> I never heard that one. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. As always, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.